Welcome to the Consummate Athlete Podcast, where we explore what it means to be a well-rounded, happy, goal-crushing athlete. Every week, myself, sports journalist Molly Herford, and cycling coach and kinesiologist Peter Glassford interview experts and chat through all of your training questions. We're excited to have you along for the ride. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Peter, how's it going? It's going well. Yeah, I'm excited for today's post uh, slash podcast where we're talking about post-race because we've I've just finished a race, so we're in good good timing. <laughs> That's what prompted this post. It was definitely, you know, I, I we haven't had a race in quite a while. So I think actually coming back to that post-race, like the reason I wrote this post was because I was sort of remembering all of this stuff in the moment and kind of thinking like, oh, oh no, we don't have this. Or, you know, we're, we're at your parents for dinner afterwards and, you know, you needed the extra snack, but someone had sharked your last piece of pizza. Still don't know who that was. I don't know where it went. If you're listening to this, any of the Glassfords, <laughs> we're looking at you. <laughs> More likely DW. Or, you know what? I honestly just think you ate it and completely forgot because you were just a little bit cross-eyed after that effort. For so. sure. So today we're going to speak towards it at seven. How many items do we have? Well, we got eight because we have sort of a secret bonus one. Okay. So we'll say we'll say seven things to do after your race is the title. (laughs) Yes. But before we get into that, we want to do quickly talk about AG1 from Athletic Greens, longtime sponsor of the podcast, still one of my number one favorite things, literally the only supplement that I have really taken with any kind of regularity in years for a lot of good reasons. It's got all the things, you know, your vitamins, your minerals, your probiotics, prebiotics, your greens, obviously, and adaptogens. This is, I think, the 53rd iteration of the formula. So they just keep, you know, looking at the science as it's coming out. They keep adding to it, subtracting from it, trying to make it as optimal for those of us who are active as possible while still keeping it NSF certified for sport, which means it has been checked for all of the banned substances in addition to just the nsf rating of no crap is in there that isn't on the label that's so, right and the quality is very good and you know when you compare it you know the price there it does cost money but when you compare it to things like you know you go and get a mushroom supplement and a probiotic supplement and a green supplement and a multivitamin very quickly it's you know it could be 10 times the price of this yeah, I mean, we've we've had to kind of jump on a couple different things in the last few months just for, you know, actual like health stuff. And yeah, holy crap, good supplements are expensive. And that's, you know, before you even ask like, wait, is this the NSF version? And then you look and you're like, holy moly, this is like half my like month's paycheck if I'm, you know, getting all of these things separately. So, you know, to me, it's just, it's this great small habit I do every morning. It has huge benefits. And, you know, for me, it's really I wake up and it gives me this reason to drink a ton of water right away in the morning and really get the day started before I pour my first coffee or before someone makes me my first coffee. That's right. And the benefit uh, we also like uh, when we're traveling, right, when it's harder to get that, you know, big plate of veggies, you know, made for yourself, maybe you're at a hotel or you're traveling in a van or you're, you know, flying. Uh, It is nice, you know, you get through that red eye flight and you're over in Europe or something and then, you know, you can pull out this travel packet and fill it up with water water, uh, you know, first thing when you get off the plane uh, off that red eye or, or early flight. Considering I keep booking flights at 8am thinking that that's a reasonable time. And that means I have to get up at like 230 in the morning to Some get to the dr- airport driving to the airport or, is, or to work or wherever well, you're headed. It's super nice that I have the travel packs. And that means once I get through airport security, I have my travel pack, I have my water bottle, I can fill it up, shake it up. And boom, I, you know, have my, my greens. Sometimes I'll throw a good whey protein in with them and sort of mix it up. Okay. It's sort of one of my favorite travel things. And yeah, it just makes me feel so much better. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D, which comes in uh, droplet form because it is fat-soluble. It needs to be transported via a an oil just to make it easier for your body to absorb. Tastes great. Uh, and you also get five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash Molly H to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And we'll have that link in the show notes so it's easy to find. Okay, post-race. So I will say, you know, we're talking largely about bike racing here, but I think you can kind of spin all of this into running or triathlon or whatever you're doing. Uh, but because bike racing has the equipment side of things, we did kind of want to aim for that a little bit more. And we know a lot of our listeners are bike racers, but this is all completely applicable to every racer. 
Uh, oh, I only say that because number one is take off your chamois, but I want to point out that this also applies to running shorts, bathing suits, tri suits, whatever the mm. heck you're wearing during your race. If you're sweaty, please get out of that kit. Right. Yeah. And I think it's not, it makes sense, I guess, but a lot of people will disagree with it. Why do you think that this is not, you know, or why is it disagreeable? Well, I think the honestly, so this is like a funny thing. The main reason I think is actually a bit of like a psychological thing where people sort of want the, and I'm including myself here, uh, you sort of want the like, kudos of walking around in your kit kind of showing that you just did the the race you know like if you're at a marathon and you very quickly have changed into you know sweatpants and a sweatshirt people might think you're there as a spectator not as a racer but if you have the bib number still on and you're like in your Mm. shorts it's much more obvious that you you've been racing and also you know what like stuff happens like you cross the finish line your family is coming up to you people are talking to you it's really easy to just kind of be hanging out in that chamois for quite some time uh chamois during this is particularly important to think during bike races and triathlon though and i have written a whole book about this so if you're like very curious after i finish talking pick up a copy of saddle sore it's got all this stuff in it but the the big thing with on bike stuff is when you're on the bike when you're sitting on that saddle you are rubbing your skin on your chamois and against your saddle. There's a lot of pressure being exerted in your nether regions. Uh, This might not lead to an immediate saddle sore. You might not have immediate chafing, but you are creating these little tiny micro tears in your skin. No matter how tough your butt is, putting that out there, uh, you are going to have these little tiny micro tears in your skin. And the more, like the longer you stand around in this like wet chamois, especially, you know, you're, in mud and like let's let's not talk about the cyclocross races that take place in you know fields that are populated by agricultural animals um there's a lot of stuff that could potentially be going on and getting into that those little micro tears so this is how we end up with saddle sores and infections post-race that's right and and i think two things so chamois is the padded uh uh, you know, pad in the cycling short, which makes it more comfortable and, and helps you, you know, you know, wick the moisture away. And I guess it has some sort of antibacterial property. And it decreases friction. And then saddle sore often is, is also like a, what is that if you've never had it? And so it's like a pimple or a rash or a sore or a, what would you say? Like a heat, heat rash even would be mm-hmm. under this like sort of blanket umbrella of uh, saddle sores. Yeah. Right? I mean, we can go anywhere from like, like, orange-sized, like, boils that happen to just very annoying, like, ingrown hair-type situations. And and the way I almost think about it is tomorrow or Monday or Tuesday or whenever you go to get back on your bike, it's not going to feel great because you have a saddle sore that's between you and the bicycle, right? So it's something that's potentially going to change your position, how you sit on the bike, the comfort on the bike, you know, it might be the limitation on riding longer because of what we may or may not do after the race. For sure. And I think just changing into those clean, dry clothes, instantly you feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it kind of like helps you reset a little bit and puts you back in a good frame of mind. So if you're sort of cross-eyed when you cross the finish line, there is nothing that feels better than just dry clothes. And so I think, you know, I'm thinking about Paris to Ancaster, like it was just so many people got sort of semi-stranded because it's a point-to-point, it was very poor weather. So any of their support staff or, or family probably didn't want to stand out waiting for them or, you know, got held up in even the weather, I guess, or finding a parking spot in this particular race. So sometimes you can't really control, right? Like there was people sitting inside like with a, a emergency, emergency blanket, blanket, you know, shivering. So sometimes you just, you know, it's just the nature of the thing. Uh, it, it's more of these, you know, we talk about the stage races. We talk about some of these races where you have access to the stuff. People have given you the kudos. You had the post race, you know, like, you know, they gave you some food or something, a medal, you know, you took the photos. So now we're getting to 10, 20, 30 minutes. Then you go to your car and then that's the choice of, do you sit down and have the beer beside your car or go over and talk to these other people or whatever, you know, wait for your friends for two hours at the finish line. Or do you quickly get changed, go to the washroom, clean your face, then go have the beer, talk to your friends, that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And so it's that moment where there's like a bit of a decision. And the one thing I find is, I lay out everything. I lay out my podium kit because I believe that it's important that I'm ready. Even if I don't really know if I'm going to be on the podium, I like to lay out a new set of kit for my podium picture. And 
the drive home sort of like, oh, the you know, <laughs> it was a normal race I finished. Here's my street clothes. So I'd like to lay those out so that there isn't any thinking after the race of like, which which outfit am I going to wear? Well, and frankly, if you're like soaked and muddy and stuff, like very quickly as you're like rummaging through your bags, now everything in your bag is getting Could mud be. on So it. having your towels and your, you know, we like the damp towels maybe in like a Ziploc or a little reusable bag of some type. So you have some nice damp and those could be cooled in the cooler uh is really really pleasant uh or maybe vice versa maybe it's warmer water uh on a cold day too and then a, a couple towels or whatever to help get cleaned up white uh what are those called those uh just like the wipes what are those wipes like, wet, wet naps type yeah thing. any kind i was just gonna say any kind of like baby wet wipes, wipes baby wipes i mean i know some pros that were so nervous about saddle sores that they would actually use more of like a like an alcohol wipe mm-hmm. which i wouldn't necessarily recommend but honestly i like, I think that's better than... <laughs> yeah, over the years, it seems like experts are split on that when you talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some people say it's, like, too much, and some people say anything you can do, just no bacteria. Yeah, exactly. Right. So figure out what works for you, but definitely have some way of cleaning up in the car. I know, you know, a lot of people, these first races, forget towels or, you know, forget having that stuff because we've just, we're so... It's been a while. <laughs> right, and I mean, our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete, talks a bit towards this as far as cleaning yourself up you know being you know looking good right being put together having the right clothes at the right time and then a big portion of that is the gear bag so the gear bag that maybe has a little bag that is the post-race bag or the cleanup bag you know maybe your laundry bag has the cleanup stuff in it you pull the towel and the wet naps out and then the dirty clothes go into the laundry I'm just now thinking for the uh, QSE stage race that we're going to in July I feel like I need to make like a banner for our, our van like a at our tent where we have a lot of people we have a lot of people that are coming to the race i think so we're at a lot over of people, 16 maybe which is yeah. wild i'm yeah. so excited uh but we're definitely gonna have like a chamois free zone or something like banner at our right. tent so like post race like no you can't come in here without without going and getting changed first like no hangouts Right. And I mean, this is, so there's the race day that this is, and I don't think this is the, the point of this episode, but um, it sort of relates a little bit when we're thinking about recovery, getting going for the next week. Um, we, we are big on, you know, if you fueled well during the workout, then you don't need to go to the kitchen after the workout in your chamois. You can get changed, have a shower, and then start your recovery meal and that sort of thing. Uh, and we often use that as like a bit of a screen for how athletes, especially on camps, have been fueling. If they're sort of like zombies in the kitchen in their chamois, this means that they were under fueling often during the race because they don't have the ability to go and do the shower. You know, they're so starving. Uh, that they need to get to the, the 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 kitchen. So probably there's something in the race too where it might give you a bit of feedback if if you know you have to sit over a bag of chips for two hours after the race. There might be something in the fueling of the race that that might be a point of improvement for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that one. Uh, okay, so next on our list we have stopping your computer. So this is your watch or your cycling computer or whatever. It I was is. surprised you put this because you always make fun of the people who cross the line and like press the lap button. Well, I was going to, I was going to say my caveat is I don't think you should be thinking about this as you are, you know, crossing the line in a sprint. Like I'm always, I always think it's wild during UCI like mountain bike world cups and stuff where the people are literally coming across the line, like in a bunch sprint and somehow they're still all trying to hit their computers. Like sure. The millisecond after they cross the line. And I think you see this in running too. Like the, like marathoners were starting and, and like they press start right at the line and then they also do it at the finish line and some of it is people will say it's for pacing during the race like i get it why you would start sort of like on the line uh you know in a marathon they want to know their splits and their you know where am i uh in the race but then my opinion the is finishes always... it's done and, and i mean it's still recording so it is it is a weird like the first thought you have you're crossing the line the greatest performance of your life and you press you know stop on it's, the yeah it's a little odd to me but i think actually my big thing is i will start my watch like you know, a few minutes before, just for the sake of not having to think about it when the mm-hmm. whistle blows. And I mean, if you were super concerned about pace, you could always hit the lap button at the start, but this that is... way at least you're recording. <laughs> like... So yeah, it's often, again, this is where races sometimes, I always say races are just tests and tests are just races and tests are just workouts and workouts are just race. Like it's all pretty much the same. There are differences, you know, performance showing up on the day and doing the thing in front of people is different than training. Uh, and is different than testing. However, if someone 
like in the race, sometimes I can see it a little bit that like, oh, in your workouts, you're not understanding how to use lap functions. I, I used to say lap button, but we have to say lap functions on your, on your, t- so you don't see a lap time. So have you ever done an interval then? Right. And this is, so sometimes when we're, we're at folks are at races, especially not a, you know, maybe endurance races, this makes more sense where you want to have like the actual distance, uh, you know, the only thing that the, the thing's measuring, and this is on the front end, not the, the finish line that we're speaking about. Um, but a lot of races, you know, a, a cross country or a cyclocross race, there's not really a whole lot of reason you couldn't run lap time, lap distance, lap, whatever you're looking for, right. lap power, lap heart rate, lap cadence. These are functions on every, you know, decent uh, run watch or bike watch. So if I was doing a 5k running race, I could warm up for 15 minutes, do my strides and my jumps around and, you know, the big leg circles and then press lap right as we leave. They, there's, they say five seconds to go and we press lap. And then my whole display could show me like my lap distance. So I can see I'm at 1K in the race and 2K. And then eventually, you know, I cross the line and maybe I would want to press lap just to see, oh, my 5K time, but it's probably on a large clock, you know, when you go and, and the race people are going to tell you in the results, I imagine. And it's all in the file. Like you could always pull it out of the file anyhow. Mm-hmm. So all that to say, this point here that we're trying to make was what? You want, you, you actually are arguing that they should stop it. My argument is just stop it because it's really annoying when you accidentally record your entire drive home right. and then have to go into Strava to like trim your file. But then a bunch like you go to sleep that night and then you wake up the next morning with a bunch of comments. They're like, oh, see, so you kept recording while you were <laughs> yeah, driving. You took, <laughs> my, you took my freeway Strava. Yeah. As someone who did this literally yesterday when I was coming home from my run and like right. realized I hadn't turned off my watch, I like had to very quickly like run in the house and like immediately crop the file because I was like, I know like the 10 people that are going to message me and be like, Hey, I saw you recorded that and just like be really grumpy. Well, about- and I think some of the stuff's getting good at recognizing that that's not a run when you're going, you know, uh, 60 miles an hour three or whatever. Minute, uh, yeah. Three minute mile. So, it. well, yeah. Or even faster. Uh, so I guess there's two things. If you're going to cool down, then again, this might be a thing where you'd press lap eventually and then, and then cool down. I guess what we're saying with the finish line is you don't like enjoy the crossing the finish line. You don't have to press it. Now, probably if someone's been doing a lot of intervals, they're just, it's so ingrained. And that's sometimes I hesitate with the criticism on the finish line because sometimes it's, you're so used to finishing an effort that you press the lap and it's like, you're not even thinking about it. Uh, so then I, I sort of struggle because we're sort of speaking out of both sides of our mouths here. I think if it's a habit, it's fine. My point is really just don't record your drive home. That's really all I was trying to say. Stop right. recording your drive right. home. Okay. Um, also, uh, you know, we'll get into this in a second. The uh, actually, we'll just hit this one next. The uh, if it's muddy, you're better off cleaning all your stuff as soon as humanly possible because the wetter the mud is, the easier it is to get out of stuff yep. or off of stuff. So don't power wash your cycling computer. It will wreck it. Uh, so well, this is where any, like, yeah. if you turn off your computer, you're also taking it off your bike most likely. So like now we've just eliminated the computer getting drenched with the, the hose. Sure. So. Sure. No, that makes sense. Setting, you know, closing it all up and, and again, thinking to starting to think towards the next week. Right. And this is where that consistency comes in is, you know, maybe that's going into like a thing with your, your phone and your electronics where it's going to get put into charge and, and, you know, download and whatever else it has to do. Um, you mentioned this cleaning when we're on to the third point then now, yeah. So now, now cyclocross, a lot of people would do like a bucket in the car, maybe with a top, and then they'd actually soak their clothes on the drive home, maybe in soap. It's really about keeping them wet is actually even like the big thing there. Like if you're not going to wash your stuff right away, like if you're not going to like my number one thing would be if you can just quickly spray down your clothes. And we love we have we've used a weed sprayer in the past in the car, and that's completely like it does you know 90 percent of the job um my dad got peter a little like mini pressure washer for christmas a couple years ago and Mm -hmm. it's been fantastic pretty inexpensive too Mm -hmm. Uh, so we have links for them just over in the show notes if you're thinking towards getting your own cleaning stuff or if there's a hose on site where you can quickly spray down your your kit basically you just want to keep it wet though if like at bare minimum yeah drop it into a like bag with a bit of water just to keep that mud wet because as soon as it dries it has stained and if you have white kit it's never coming out um so definitely yeah try to get your clothes rinsed your shoes rinsed and your bike rinsed i mean oh my gosh like if you let that mud dry on your bike you might as well just kiss your kiss your chain goodbye 
Yeah, it, it could be for sure. And then you want to make sure you dry it off uh, and go from there. But it's uh, it could be when you get home, right? It really depends how uh, close the race is to your home too, right? It, it, sometimes you see these, you know, you're, you know, someone's in Europe and then they race and then they just put their bike in uh, the box and, and it stays in the box for two years or something. So yeah, I think it's, you want to, a clean bike is a happy bike, so. It's true, yeah. And I mean, you know, these these races are not, gentle on bikes like we were actually talking about you know you were saying the one thing you'd love to work on is doing you know cornering in the mud and i was like well it's really hard to practice that because you normally wouldn't ride on trails when they're muddy so like really these races are like the times the bike is getting trashed in a way that it just isn't during training so mm-hmm. some some tlc is 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 great for sure i i, I mean that's a whole other episode i guess is, is cornering in, in mud uh but i i think it's like cornering in slippery situations uh at speed and that's often i had a call with someone this week and, and sort of speaking towards a lot of times that's what we're missing in mountain biking is ever doing like riding quickly in, in trails a lot of mountain bikers will go and have fun mountain biking but they won't necessarily do like actual intervals where they're like really pushing the limits and that involves both the strain on your body and and the the speed of it right and, and some again it, that's even tough to do on public trails sometimes to really open it up so uh yeah yeah um okay and then last kind of point on this is if you are pressure washing your bike even with like a light pressure washer please do not hit your headset shifters or bottom bracket with any kind of pressure spray be very gentle on those parts they're very expensive and difficult to replace for sure uh, so please don't do that uh, and also if you are like if you have washed off your chain quickly dry it and lube it if you want to be riding that week and not wreck a chain and we all know how expensive chains are these days so just psa psa <laughs> yeah. for your chain well and if it is muddy you probably want to either take it to the mechanics or make sure in the day or two after that you're getting it moving again uh, you know, checking it over again, like that race cleanup isn't going to be your only cleanup likely. Uh, cause it's sort of stuff sits and then it has, it's all gotten damp. And then it, you know, if it sits in one place, then you're going to end up and it's not going to want to move again. Yeah. Just, just give your bike some love. Um, and if during the race you realize that, uh, I don't know, your sunglasses were fogging up or that you didn't have sunglasses and you really, really wish you did actually, uh, funny story, I did hear about someone from uh, Paris to Ancaster. It was such a muddy race, and she'd either forgotten her glasses or they fogged, and she took them off for whatever reason. She didn't have glasses on, and she literally had to go to the optometrist the next morning to get her eyes, like, washed because she had so much grit in them that she couldn't get out herself. So, biking, highly recommend good sunglasses, and that is where Gooder comes in. New sponsor for the show. I'm super stoked on this. I'd actually gotten uh, their biking sunglasses last fall along with their blue light blocking ones and i love the cycling sunglasses they're fantastic they're big they're very 90s vibes um they're very uh they're very bright but not in a way that i'm offended by and you know me i like all of my all black Mm. kit all the time but these are just mirrored shades so they're vibrant without being colorful sure Um, and honestly I've tried a lot of very expensive sunglasses in the past. Uh, these things, which are 45 bucks, these gooder shades, as good, if not better, than any glasses that I've like worn for biking in the past. Mm-hmm. So I've been super, super happy on them. We have the casual ones as well. I really love, um, with their casual glasses, they actually make, uh, they call them the BFG collections. They're for those of us with bigger heads. So I have a very wide face. Well, okay. Actually, not a wide face, a big skull. I don't know how to explain it. But normal sunglasses actually give me headaches if the the arms are, like, too tight to my head. Um, like, we've had some very nice sunglasses that I just can't wear because they kill me. Like, I have a headache, like, after five minutes. Usually you get them because I think you have a slightly smaller skull shape than Small I do. Small brain, for sure. Small brain. Uh, so you got the regular sunglasses. I got the BFG shades, and I'm so happy with them. They're so much more comfortable for, for those of us with the wider heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving Consummate Athlete listeners free shipping on your first order, which is a great deal for some very 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 inexpensive sunglasses the cycling ones like i said are around 45 bucks but the casual ones are right around 25 same with their blue light blockers which i've also tried a lot of very expensive blue light blockers and i would say gooders are as good if not better 
Uh, so I will throw the link in the show notes, uh, or you can just head to gooder, that's G-O-O-D-R.com backslash consummate and use the code consummate to get free shipping. Uh, unfortunately, that does not work in Canada, although they are now shipping to Canada. So you can actually still just check out gooder.com backslash consummate and you'll get directed to the Canadian version and shipping is actually pretty inexpensive to Canada. And Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. So definitely find your pair. Let us know which ones you like. Uh, I just got some pink uh, cycling sunglasses. Like the lenses are pink. So I'm very excited about those. And I was going to say that can be, you know, any of this stuff is, uh, could be performance enhancing, you know, again, not getting mud in your eye and being able to keep sunglasses on that aren't fogging up and are maybe, you know, taking, you know, you can get different coatings for these things sometimes where the water really like uh, beads and, and doesn't get, you know, obscure your vision as much. Uh, I'm someone who has a lot of trouble keeping glasses on during races. Um, but that's again, when, when we're talking about mudding and, and rainy conditions, it's you got to go ahead and train and test in these as mm-hmm. well. Uh, but those would be notes. You know, I, I if you weren't able to keep your glasses on during the rainy, muddy race and you were getting stuff in your eye or you couldn't see or whatever, uh, or your lenses were too dark. I see this a lot of times in athletes as they have their sunglasses, you know, their mom bought them sunglasses and they keep them on. And it's like, I don't even know how they were navigating it when, you know, the, it's super dark sky, super, and they just keep their sunglasses on because they want to protect their eyes, which kudos, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but you, now you're going to crash into a tree because you can't see, or you're going so slow because you can't see, right? You can only go as fast as your brain can process, you know, ahead yeah. or, or you're hitting a tree. So there's sort of both sides of that, uh, where was this a limiter? And sometimes you don't know. Sometimes someone has to be like, you're the only person wearing dark sunglasses in this race. Well, and this is super <laughs> tricky. We've had some like cheapy pairs we've gotten over the years that have like the transition lenses that like will darken as it gets brighter and like theoretically lighten as it gets darker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are so dangerous in races like this because the, I'm not going to lie, the cheap ones on Amazon, they're great in like sunny conditions when like there's no issues. But the second the, you know, when the clouds are coming out or it gets dark, like they don't lighten as fast as you would hope they would. No. Um, so definitely knowing how your glasses. So probably perform. having a clear set of lenses is a good strategy. Um, yeah, clear or super light. I pretty much only use clear, but that's just me. Um, that's you know. what I'm psyched on with the gooder. Like they're very, it's a very like light pink. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, very like it's basically clear just with like a slight tint. So that way they'll be good kind of in any condition. Which sure. I'm pretty psyched. You don't think you look like a kook? Oh, I'm going to look super silly. (laughs) Like They're going to be really goofy looking, but I think, again, 90s vibes, best way possible. And since I wear all black kit, I think it's just going to be like a fun little topper. I do think there's something there with the, I always thought yellow sunglasses when it was stormy out, it it just would brighten it a little bit. And then it was like so much of like, think about how much your mood improves. It's sunny out, you're psyched. And so I think there are, it's not going to be, you know, all of a sudden you believe it's sunny out and it's pouring rain and, and horrible, but there is this slight improvement. I think if, if it's just a little yellower, you know, this is like on Instagram where you use the filter and it, you mm-hmm. know, it was a crummy day, but now it looks like you're having the best time. I, I think there's something there with sunglasses. I completely agree. Yeah. Actually, even when it's sunny, like I feel like my polarized lenses just kind of give everything like an even brighter just mm. hue and Instagram has really ruined us for just enjoying nature the way it is. So right, right. <laughs> there uh, you have it. Okay. So that's sunglasses. Was there something else around? So we're taking notes. Is that this, what's what part of this uh, well, we have the uh, the couple other things here as far as like the immediate, well, one last thing immediately post-race is the having some carbs and protein and having this ready to go when you finish the race. And this might look like some leftover pizza or it might look like your, you know, recovery shake or whatever. Um, I think, so unpopular opinion, the finish line beer is very popular for a reason. It's great. It's refreshing. Everybody loves it. But if that's the first thing you have that's hitting your stomach, like you're just kind of in for like a world of hurt and you're definitely not helping your body recover. So I'm not saying don't have the finish line beer. I'm saying have something beforehand. So if you know you love a finish line beer, have a bottle ready to go. Now are you speaking to, I'm not familiar with finish line beers. Are you speaking more to like a post-race beer? The post-race beer. Okay. I mean, there are a lot of people that like cross the line and either there's like beer at the finish line and they immediately go for it or they have like the beers in the co- like in the car right. ready to go. And, and I, again, to each their own. Uh, but it is that, you know, if we're thinking about 
why didn't the next week go well? Why am I still tired after the race? And this is where that reflection, sure, after the race, you're grumpy, you're happy, whatever you are. And that's what we're speaking to now is what are the notes, you know, after the race. But there is that next week, like, why did I take so long to recover? Sometimes, you know, this most recent race, I actually took a little while to recover. And I think it was just, it was muddy and I hadn't raced in a long time. And, uh, you know, it was a big effort for me relative to my preparation. Uh, so it sort of made sense that it took a while and it's frustrating, but is there something, you know, maybe it was that extra pizza we alluded to that I didn't get after race. Maybe we didn't have enough food or, or whatever. Um, it, it could be a, during the race fueling, something like that. I mean, this is where you've always said you loved the Ontario Cups. You used to always have chocolate milk at the right finish at the line. line. Yeah, finish line choco milk. And that was like your favorite thing. <sighs> yeah, it was a bit of a treat. I don't usually get milk or chocolate milk, but yeah, I don't know. I just was like, there you go. It's done for you, right? And then even if you're talking to people, you can have a choco milk. Uh, Matt Fitzgerald would be so proud of you. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know, right? Some people roll their eyes about chocolate milk, but there's, it's, it's there, I guess. Uh, And so that's, where are we going with that? Just the finish, like getting some food into you after the race, even if you're going to have a beer. And I think that's, you know, it doesn't have to be a either or it can be a both end. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's really just all I wanted to say was don't wait till you get home. I know, especially if your race wasn't great. There's a lot of people that like starve themselves. Yeah, yeah we'll kind of go to the like punishing like, oh, well, you know, I'm not going to have my post race treat. I'm going to like wait till we get home and like. have right. dinner. Like, and that same mindset I've seen in races, you know, you'll get dropped on the first lap and then we stop fueling because we suck and, and we don't deserve food or, or, you know, we're just so in our head and it's like, well, you're not making it any better. Like, do the best you can. And again, next week, you're going to feel the that you drove yourself into this deep hole, and then you're not going to be able to train to keep improving based on the feedback from this race. So definitely, these are the reflections of during the race, like, did I fuel appropriately? You know, what happened? Did my gut go? Did I bonk? Did I, which end of the spectrum are we on? Uh, and then you can build upon that. And that's really the whole point for these races. Races are tests, to, you know, races are workouts mm-hmm. uh, is to, to build upon that. I had one other thought, the, the post-race fueling, just like the post-race clothing, you don't wait till after the race to decide whether they're going to yeah. give you a choco milk or, you know, if someone took your pizza, like plan your food. So if it's a certain recovery shake you believe in, if it's a chocolate milk, if it's a sandwich, if it's a rice uh bowl like anything it doesn't really matter it really doesn't matter for most of us but like something needs to come in yeah you don't want to be like foraging for what you have in your car or like hoping that someone at the race has like samples right right like any of that stuff and i think some people are not you know their stomachs they know that they drive themselves inside out and their stomachs are you know (laughs) it's disrupted so trying to figure out is it a recovery shake is it something like an insure you know these are not things that are like the best nutrition in the world you know it's just sugar powder um but trying to get something in it and those insurers are made to be insure is like the you know for people in the hospital or you know Mm -hmm. people who are you know have trouble digesting food they're very digestible this is why they're used in race across america and these big endurance races so and and, or you're someone who's you know has too many post-race interviews and is you know very popular after the race it might be something like a recovery shaker and insure that's just in your hand like you're a pro or maybe you are a pro and, and you can drink that while you're talking to people. You know, it can get put in your back pocket and, and you can consume that. I just always think about, you know, the couple of years that I was managing the Aspire Racing team with Jeremy Powers, like our post-race routine was so dialed. It was like cross the line, wet towel, protein shake, like mm-hmm. or protein and carbohydrate shake, like boom, in hand. Like yep. it was just, those were the non-negotiables. Yeah, so clean up and then probably clean jersey on for the podium, clean mm-hmm. the legs. Uh, yeah. And then interviews and that sort of stuff, right? Yeah. And that's that's not a lot of us, but maybe some of us are not far off just we're socializing or, or waiting for our friends or whatever. Well, right? that's almost more of what Jeremy's thing was. It was just like so many people wanted to talk to him, whether it was reporters, but it was also like tons of fans. And mm-hmm. I think all of us, you know, you're like, oh, well, I don't have fans. No, but you probably do have like friends and family who are at the race or, you know, pe- even just other racers. Or that kids. You chat with. A lot of my clients, it's like their kids then race, you know, after them or something like that too. Or their so kids it's... are just around. So like that, you know, this is where you know, we always talk about, yay, real food, but if you're not going to be able to get to that sandwich because you're busy chatting or, you know, your mm-hmm. kids are sort of you know, back to demanding your attention, that drinkable thing is so, so helpful. Right, right. And, and so I think, you know, in light of my pizza getting stolen after the race too, you know, you, you, you might have something like a, 
is this could be a, like a bar some sort of bar that's you know as simple as a cliff bar or there's recovery bars or whatever you believe in whatever you'll eat uh something like an incher is very shelf stable you know they're little plastic bottles that are shelf stable it's better when they're cold i recommend over ice in a tumbler glass but mm. uh you know you can drink it just lukewarm. literally the bougiest thing you've ever said and i love <laughs> you so much for it okay uh and then, so yeah, so just having these backup options, you know, maybe the day gets longer, you know, you have a flat tire or whatever. And then again, now you have some redundancy in the system too. For sure. Um, perfect. And then, okay, so this is the immediate post-race last thing. And then we're going to get into like the, you know, you're back home. Uh, and we only have a couple things for that. But the first, that, like the, before you even leave the venue, just take out your phone, either record a voice memo or pull out your notes app and just immediate like as soon as you can post race if you're if you're serious about racing like if this is just like you're just kind of a casual racer and you don't really care about improving next time don't worry about this but if you want to improve your racing uh take out the phone and just like throw a couple notes to self in there you know what how was your tire pressure like was there a point in the race where you felt like you were bonking like you know how, how was your like finish line did the sprint go okay just like any notes you can think of as far as like things that went well or things that didn't go well from equipment to mindset to just your body and most of the people who are training are tough on themselves myself included so it, it's easy to just ignore the stuff you did well or that worked and i'm gonna say we're gonna get into like a longer reflection in a second too okay. this is just like the 30 second okay. like just quick thought dump because i think there's a lot of value in that even revisiting it in a couple hours once you've had gotcha. that like calm down so in that light then probably recording some of those technical mechanical sorry mechanical more than technical the mechanical things tire pressure did you check it or set it at all uh, would be a good feedback. Uh, just some of these things are harder, to, you know, they're easy to forget, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, what did you do? What, what did you like, is your gel flask empty? You know, are all your gels still like crisp and ready for the next race? That's great that you carried those the whole race. Uh, any of those things are, are probably good because they're easy to forget or lose, right? Like maybe you can't even, I'm trying to think of something that maybe like once you get home, you can't even like tell what it was anymore. So air pressure would be one. Uh, if you can make notes on that, I think that is useful. Can you think of another one that's like the fueling is one? Like it's easy to just like, oh, like I, I came home and half the gel flask is still there. And it's like, okay, well then you probably underfueled. Yeah, um, and I, I actually do think this is a like this is going to sound really odd, but I do think this is a good place to get out any like negative talk, like grumpiness about the race. Like just say it write it down, whatever, mm. like we're going to come back and we're going to revisit it and we're going to look at the positives and like find some good stuff and work on our self-talk. But I think being honest about how you're actually feeling post-race instead of trying to like put a bow on it and pretend you're super happy when you're actually like pretty upset. I think it's, it's good to feel those feelings. I don't think it's good to pretend they didn't exist or to like rationalize them away because there might be something valuable in them, mm -hmm. right? Like I think it does point out stuff like if I... You know, I still think back to uh, QSE, or not QSE, um, QMT last year. You know, I didn't have the emergency blanket. I got dinged with a 30-minute penalty. I lost the win. Right. Like, that sucked. I was so upset. And I think if I just kind of like, I'm still like almost tearing up talking about that. Um, I think if I had let myself just be like, totally like rationalize it away and just be like, oh, I had a great race. Like, I had the fastest time by, you know, 25 minutes, like whatever. I wouldn't have learned the lesson of like, no, you need to read every freaking manual, like read the tech guide, read the tech guide 18 times. Like don't assume that things that are like listed on there are just casual, like just take everything at its word, even if then you're carrying a bunch of stuff that no one checks eventually. Like, right. At any rate, like, you need to know the game. You need yeah. to know how to play the game. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's, it's okay to, lean into the negative feelings occasionally or at least like know what they are um and then you can kind of come back and like really think through them once you're sort of over that uh, i always uh, i actually have said in my athlete's guide to sponsorship book i think i'm a huge fan of for any athlete that wants to be pro which i don't know how many of you are listening to this i actually love turning your your phone on like can't like uh camera like do a video literally post-race interview yourself and try to do that because I think it's actually really good practice for if if and when you are interviewed post-race. It's true. 
Yeah, you got to make sure you thank your sponsors and the tires were really rolling really well mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, firing all cylinders. You start learning to check your teeth for the dirt. Mm, true, and your ears. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Very important things. Okay, so now we're, we've done the drive home. We're home. Uh, first thing before we do any reflections are go in and immediately start your laundry and run the dishwasher. Get those gross bottles into the dishwasher get that running and this is a you know a, harkens back to our dan john interviews I was gonna say, this is right your favorite where dan it's, john. it's easy to come in the house and drop the thing beside the laundry machine it takes about a second longer to drop it in the laundry machine and press go with the detergent in there uh, or even just on a soak cycle honestly like you could do if you hadn't done a soak or if you want to continue soaking if this was a really messy race uh you know maybe you just even don't put the detergent in right so then it is really just a extra button press you know drop it in and and away you go uh versus leaving it for the week in the laundry hamper yeah and i really wanted to say this one because i know most of us our races are our weekends like Mm -hmm. then the next morning like monday morning boom we're back to work it's not like oh we have we're not we're not pros who have monday as like a rest day with nothing on the calendar right so you know, you kind of want to take this 10 minutes and just reset everything so that by Monday, you're not like just completely in the hole from that race. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I think that's just a little, little important thing there. And again, this all relates back to getting going again as soon as you can and not get into Tuesday. This is again, a big part of our book, Becoming a Consummate Athlete is like on Tuesday, the Garmin needs to be, you know, not soaked in water, uh, charged, you know, the file uploaded for the coach. Uh, you know, the clothing, you, you know, we all, both were somehow out of, we didn't get our laundry done this week somehow. I don't know how that happened. So I almost didn't have shorts for my key ride of the, you know, our Saturday ride. Uh, I w- almost didn't have shorts to use somehow. Well, you and I were both in like our suboptimal <laughs> shorts. Like we're, I'm in like my like split, like high V, like high high split shorts for a 16 mile trail yeah, run. Yeah, short like, shorts. You could have done an Instagram reel on that. Um, so from there though, then the problem is, so then do I go out on my four hour ride and sub- like not my great chamois so now i'm not testing which chamois i want to use but then i find out this chamois is is poor and i get a saddle sore from my four hour ride where i'm pushing the duration of the ride but then the chamois is not a good chamois and then the next week i have to take the whole week off because i have a saddle sore so you can see how these little things that are sort of boring and we're you know i guess maybe uh talking a lot about here i don't want to say beating to death but you know maybe uh, well, hopefully this gets it gets in people's heads so it's like these little things start either adding up in your favor or uh, like spiraling out yeah. of control, I guess. Yeah, the compound interest of training and life. <laughs> actually, just a side note about the uh, Garmin being wet. Peter did actually have to put his Garmin in a bag of rice uh, when we got home from the race last weekend, not because it was raining during the race, but because in the morning he dropped it and it bounced twice and landed in DW's water in the water dish. Bowl. Yeah. I still don't know how that happened. That was amazing. But kudos to the Garmin. It uh, it functioned. Yeah. Yeah. You seems, got through your race. Well, it seems to, I think it's okay. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, okay. Do okay. we have another one? Uh, last, last one. Last practical thing is just have that extra snack at night if you need it. Like mm. race night, it's okay to have that extra snack before you go to bed. It might just be another protein shake. It might be like a yogurt bowl. It might be a treat, whatever. Just don't go to bed hungry. Like, that's just asking to wake up with like a headache and a stomach ache and just sure or just disrupted sleep mm-hmm. um you know it's often hard to eat after a race anyhow but sometimes you know we can either not eat and then we end up eating too much right before bed and then that throws our sleep off or as you say you like avoid eating and now you're starving at you know 12 or 1 and it's okay get up and have a snack like it, it's not a big deal to do that but good notes to take that I need to eat more after the race somehow. So Peter said, try ensure, you know, have a peanut butter and jam sandwich, have dinner and then have some ice cream or something Mm -hmm. and then go to bed, whatever, whatever that looks like for you. I don't know what foods are great for you, but you'll figure it out, but you got to keep paying attention to this. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And some of that stuff, it does make a big difference for how well you sleep after the race. It's not just, Oh, my heart rate's really like up and I'm amped up. That can be a, a certainly a piece of why maybe you can't eat or why you have trouble sleeping. Uh, but sometimes the food is a big part of why you're amped up. Yeah. Big glass of water is good too. Pinch of sea salt if it was like a particularly hot and sweaty day. Uh, but go to bed to on try and get hydrated. Heart rate. Yeah, try and get heart rate to go. And actually, the sodium is a one that I've had a few clients have really great success, like almost like shooting salt uh, before bed, even irregardless of of the the race. But maybe on a race hot race day too, that sodium and water added in can again when you think about heart rate being high because of dehydration. 
uh, that there can actually be a few different mechanisms that that could really help, you know, get the body cooled down and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that note, the sleeping in a cool, cool, dark and quiet environment definitely helps that. We've had some, you know, racing a lot of the time you're in a hotel, like the night after the race, if it's a destination one. So having that sleep environment as dialed in as possible, especially a stage race is a huge thing. And actually, uh, I think it's going to be the upcoming issue of Canadian Cycling Magazine. I have a huge article about stage race uh, essentials and tips and stuff and sleep is a big part of that. Sure. So uh, stay tuned for that one. But on the note, just as we're talking about sleeping and, and meals and stuff too, the one thing that if it does get hot and when it gets hot here, um, it is just like trying, I've even like put ice packs all around me while we've been watching TV or on the drive home. Mm-hmm. This takes preparation if you want it for the drive home. But, uh, if you can try and just like, if you feel really warm before you're going to bed, just try and this could be a cold shower, obviously too. Uh, do what you can to try and get cooled and cooled and cooled. Yeah. And we don't have like a fancy ice vest. We have like, I think it was probably 10 bucks at like Canadian Tire or Walmart or something. It's one of those just like, it's a big sheet of basically like plastic ice, or like ice cubes in plastic. So it's like water bubbles of mm-hmm. water bubbles in plastic. Big. It's yeah. pretty large. Yeah, Maybe like a, what would that be? Like a hand towel size yeah. type thing? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and actually, we've used it. DW will sometimes like lay under it if it's like pretty hot in the mm-hmm. in the van. Yeah, he uses race. it more as an ice vest. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that lays. You know, you can lay on the couch with that over your t-shirt, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe you put even like a blanket or something over top of that or something. Yeah, it's uh, so that that can sometimes be something if you're someone who gets just like you can't get the heat to come out of you after uh, yeah. a hot race. Yeah. All right, and then our last thing is sort of this more like okay, we've cooled, we've cooled down. Our brain is cooled down the reflection post-race. And do you think this is next day or what is this? Uh, it depends on when the race is over right. and you've gotten home sure. and stuff. Like don't stay up till one in the morning reflecting. Like if you can just kind of go to sleep, great. But you know, I think this can be, it should be within a, a day, I would say. Probably mm-hmm. like next day at mm-hmm. latest. Otherwise you start forgetting key moments or it starts uh, rewriting itself in your brain a little bit. But this is where that like immediate post-race, like quick notes Right. Do you agree with those still? Like once you've cooled down, you're not maybe upset or or really amped up. Maybe you can reflect on the, you know, again, the things that worked. It doesn't have to be things that like you did so great. Sometimes people struggle to say that about themselves, but what worked, you know? Okay. Yeah. Like my, I didn't have any problem with fueling. It didn't seem like I bonked. I didn't vomit. You know, my fueling's in that optimal zone between those two points. Great. Right. Uh, My bike worked, you know, there was no mechanical issues with my bike. Okay, cool. Yeah. Like whatever you did beforehand, do that again. Uh, and that's, I think, part of this learning to play the game over many years, what we call experience, is this formalized process, I think, in a lot of cases of journaling. Every year you go to Leadville, you go to whatever race. I'm trying to think of other races people generally go to. Uh, you know, and, and this is what I did at this race. And that's this could be in a training peaks or a, a, you know, a training log. So then you can always look back. And I have a lot of clients that do a great job. They look back at, you know, last year's they did Paris to Ancaster and what were their notes? What was the tire pressure? What was the tire? What was the weather? What was the clothes? Uh, what was the mistakes they made? You know, oh, I missed the lead group. I need to remember to stage up and, and really go deep. You know, don't try and pace the start. Uh, something like that, right? And, and that's what we're trying to do is just learn about the game specific to that race and then also just in our general race preparation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, and I think this comes to, you mentioned training peaks, but having them somewhere where it's like easy to look back the next year because I think I'm I'm a very like, I like my paper journals, but the problem with those is like, it's actually pretty hard to kind of come back to them. So in my case, I would probably take a photo of anything I wrote in a journal and like just upload it to Evernote with a little tag just so I can sure. search it. So having a way to find them again, if you plan on doing that race ever again, is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I've seen some races. I think Haley Smith has done something like this. I know I did it for many years when I was younger. Like I had like a book that like a journal and it wasn't my like overall journal. This gets to a lot of stuff we're traveling with, which where a lot of folks are adverse to now. Uh, but just your race Bible, I guess you could almost call it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, or your race journal, and it it could go on for your whole career, right? I don't know. Is there 500 pages? How many races will you do in your your career? I don't know. And and then as you say, at some point you might have to scan that in or put it on the bookshelf. And probably once you do 500 races, you don't need to do this as formal anymore. Uh, you know, you sort of know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I would actually love the idea of having even like an, an Evernote or something where each race has like its own note. You have a notebook in it. So Evernote's like notebooks and notes. So you have like a notebook that's just races. And then you actually have a note like notes for each race. And if you've mm-hmm. done it again, you actually like literally like use the same note 
uh, you know, and just like write sure. this year's entry into it. So that way it's all, you know, like, oh, I'm doing Leadville again. Like, boom, like open my Leadville note. And like, I have five years worth of data in there. Yep. That uh, would be, be a, super fun. That would be a very clean way to do it. Yep. For sure. So highly, highly recommend figuring something like that out or even cat. Now I'm like thinking, I'm thinking too hard about this. If you tag them with like the, the distance or something like that way, you know, I can check all of my 50 milers and see what I was thinking about fueling for all my 50 milers. Cause you're not always doing the same race over and over again. No, but I do think sometimes that's what we miss. You know, you're doing a new race, you're super nervous about it. And then I look at the person's experience and I'm, you know, you sort of are like, you are the most experienced person at this type of thing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, so use that past experience as like, I guess that's the reason why after the race we're talking about, you're going to do this is so that the next one, hopefully you can take some confidence that you did a few things well, and you know what didn't work. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the, you know, what is experience? Experience is knowing what doesn't work, right? And then knowing what really worked really well at this race mm-hmm. as a side note i wanted to fit this in but if you didn't watch the world cup short track for me- both women and men was a tr- tremendous race but tom pitcock got into the short track at the last minute so he was the very last spot and he won and i think anyone who complains about <laughs> starting at the back like just what a lesson in bike racing mm-hmm. and it was a bit of a you know road course so like the group stayed together uh but holy cow no, his tactics were fabulous. For like, context, he soft pedaled off the start, rolled up to the group, came through on the first lap of the short track in last place still, and then won the race. And mm-hmm. I'll just, I'll spoil it like that for you. This yeah, is the first, watch the Nova so Mesto World Cup uh, short track, 2023. Mm-hmm. Definitely worth a watch. Tom Pickcock probably doesn't need to take notes, but I bet you he does some. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right. So that's sort of our, our post-race rundown. Definitely hit us up with any questions, you know, racing, training, et cetera, especially as we get into these summer months, The whether it's, you know, training in the heat or, you know, racing in the heat, any anything really now that we're in the heart of racing season. And before we go, last thing, um, I'll probably talk about it again at you know, some later point. But if you haven't heard, I have started a new little small publishing company called Strong Girl Publishing, and it's all... Uh, books for young adult and middle grade young girls. So all about sport, uh, our authors, and we're announcing more and more, uh, are all young women athletes. So I'm just super excited to kind of bring that. The Shred Girls books are all sort of under that banner now. So uh, if you have a, a young young adult or middle grade girl in your life, uh, definitely check out stronggirlpublishing.com. All right. With that, uh, you know, definitely get in touch. We're on Instagram at consummate athlete. We're over at consummateathlete.com. Tons of content up on the site. We actually have a whole post about this post-race things. So if we said anything and you're like, wait, what was that? Uh, Just head right to consummateathlete.com and check out the post. All right. We will see you next week. Thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast. If you want to hear more training, racing, and endurance sport advice, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at consummateathlete.com for a weekly dose of inspiration and advice straight to your inbox.